I've had a request for all five, but we don't all know them, so the first and the last verses are the red flag. <laughs> Hello and welcome to That Option No Longer Exists, the the podcast that is recording this in front of our second or backup wardrobe, if you like. Do you fact, have a like, backup wardrobe? How posh are you? In fact, in fact, like Sir Keir Starmer recording his acceptance speech, we're standing in front of what may be termed our shadow cabinet. Um, <laughs> My name is John Manns. With me, interrupting me, stepping on my gags, is, as ever, the Blairite bombshell, Mr Adam Juniper. Thank you very much. And you should see my bombshell-esque hair at the moment. Oh, it looks a lot more like uh, there's been an EMP here in East London. I was about to have a haircut, and then somebody declared that we should all be locked in our houses forever. So all these people doing uh, YouTube tutorials and creativity about the, the lockdown based on their usual job, I have not seen one person explain how to cut a fringe yet. Cut Leo's, we'll have a go at that. He's four and, you know, he's not showing his mate. Cut mine, maybe I'd end up shaving it and that would be terrible. All you've got to think about in that score, as Bruce Williams said, that you've uh, got a good shaped head. Um, because it'd be horrible to shave your life and find out you've got bumps and lumps. Uh, because maybe your right-wingers, would be Adam, would be coming around and doing some uh, phrenology on us. I'm too bu- I'm too busy patting my head now. Yeah, I don't have one of those phrenology heads that all goths had in their uh, university room. I mean, that's got to be the next uh, weird uh, scientific thing that comes back. It's like uh, 5G trutherism or um, anti-vaccine. Phrenology will be back, won't it? The Toby Young will soon be... Uh... If, if Toby Young makes a sort of a film, that be, yeah, Simon Pegg movie out of it, I'll be very disappointed. But this, this is the problem, and this episode of uh, That Option Exists recorded back-to-back as Boris is um, having a little bit of trouble breathing with the, the previous episode, is we're going to look forward, we've looked to the past, and we're going to go back to the future, back to the soft-left Miliband years, it seems, or back to the Blair years, if you believe the leftist commentators that are all chucking the party en masse because um, Sir Keir Starmer has taken the reins and and where are we going to go? I'm feeling a little bit optimistic. I'd like to know a bit more about him because up until now I know he can make a really nice looking video that appeals to people who used to be minors and people who didn't. Well, everybody who used to be young and now isn't. (laughs) Well, remember that everyone in the Labour Party has one or other view about the miners' strike and and that situation because a lot of them saw brassed off. I think that's how Jeremy Corbyn heard about it. And now now times have moved on. You do realise he was on the picket lines, don't you? I do. I do. I know. I mean, he was on the picket lines in uh, miners' strikes in the 1800s. No, well, no, there you go. You go. No, I, understand, I understand your position on this. Um, that the, you, you don't like him very much. Uh, Come on, I just tried to be really, really nice about him, about the positive legacy from the party. And maybe one of the positive legacies from the party is a new leader. You didn't vote for him, did you? No, no I didn't, no. Um, and, but I sort of wished I did towards the end. I started planning to vote for him. Then he went through a bit of a quiet spell in the second, third week when when I actually did my voting, and I got lured in by Lisa Nandy's straight talking sort of electable lookingness. Then she started saying some other things that seemed less coherent, and I became more, you know more concerned that you know she was electable in the same way that Trump is. But then, which is taken aside on Nandy. I mean, is there a sort of sense that? 
That's foreign... what I was going to say. Uh, I mean, that's, that's, you, 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 I think you're ahead of me on this. No, this I was going to say that foreign, po- foreign policy for an opposition is, by and large, something that is inconsequential. That's true, because they have no power. But look what a foreign secretary can do should she find herself elevated to the proper job. Then, yes, sure, you can end up as prime minister, but on the way you can kill innocent people. The foreign secretary is traditionally the cabinet position given to someone that you've got to have in your cabinet but you don't really like, so they're not there as much. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's. I mean, it's weird that that's still true, but because they now have international development as well. But well, that's another one. It's one step up, of course, from uh, Northern Ireland, which is the one that you give to the person you like least. But they don't have that so much anymore, do they? I mean, well, like, Northern Ireland. No, it's, it's, it's less of a guarantee. My um, my local MP when I was growing up uh, was Tom King, who had done something to upset Margaret Thatcher, like be sensible or rational at some point, and so he was Northern Ireland. So there were a lot of bomb squads around. <coughs> Excuse me. That's coronavirus hard to shift it. But what was the um, the thing really that made you sort of lean towards uh, Sakir in the end, Adam? Is it was it because he was um, I don't know, really? Is it because a lot of people say he was like quite he was forensic? Is that the is that the thing that you like? God no, I hate the word forensic. It makes me think of the sort of TV I really hate. You know, yeah, I mean, if where he, some if horrible he's... American lady waves a black light round a room and talks about semen for five minutes. I mean, if he's so forensic, how come he isn't picking uh, blood out of uh, and pubes out of a carpet dressed in a white paper suit a lot more often? Um, <laughs> well, as you know, when when you last tried to do this joke, I pointed out how hard it is to get a white paper suit these days. There are thousands on eBay. I don't need him to wear a white paper suit. There's all sorts of pubes in my carpet. He's welcome anytime. I think that's quite funny anyway. I, I, the, uh, you're all right. I do, I, I'm ruining it again. I'm a dick. I do allow right wingers in the in the house. Um, I, I had uh, I had that Luke Akers round once. I'm staring back in. So I think you are nudging me towards a discussion of the new shadow cabinet. We can talk about Keir's position in and of itself, but I think the the worry for me, is that Keir is um, a vessel of sort of, I don't know, an empty moralism, almost. It's like, uh, oh yeah, we, we must do this because it's good, without any, without really too much conviction on the why the solutions are good, if you see what I mean. And that is a, a good vehicle for discussing that sort of thing, is the makeup of his, um, is the makeup of his shadow cabinet. So just, just to clarify uh, for the, you know, less bright members of the audience, um, including me, I think. What you're saying is things are not truly good unless there is an overarching philosophy... See, I can't even say it. Um, Thought process behind it, like communism. If you you can do the right thing for the wrong reasons, which uh, Richie Sunak uh, is doing. Well, he's presumably doing it to save his job. And that is definitely the wrong reason. But um, (laughs) the... but uh, yes, so you you can come like uh, as they say, a stopped clock is right once uh, every twice every twenty four hours. I don't know, but um, I'm not expecting the and and as we say, Tony Blair did some good things, uh, but by accident. Uh, I mean, he really because, tried to get uh, well, the job. No, he, he did those good... Th- Tony Blair did those good things because there wasn't another way of seeming to have done them which would make more money for his right-wing friends. But there's uh, let, let's move on. How, how do you want to play this? 
Shall we just pick a few highlights? Go on, then. I'll let you do Because it. it's, a, it's a long list, isn't it? And according to the Labour Party press release, the key uh, member of the Shadow Cabinet is Keir Starmer, leader of the opposition, and then Angela Rayner, deputy leader and chair of the Labour Party, who we haven't actually mentioned at all, have we? The, the other vote. But she did all right, didn't she? Um, I, well, I, I, congratulations to, to Angela. I actually thought she did, in terms of the vote numbers, she did surprisingly badly because uh, there was what there was one poll that put her on sixty percent, and yet it took her to the third round of the eliminations to to get that fifty percent. Yeah, well, I think she spent a lot of time telling people who her flatmate was, and I don't think that did her any favors at all. I don't think she did anywhere near as much that as you would have expected to, given that the idea was it was a joint slate. But um, the. The, I think I, the, I think the, she's brighter than that. I think the only person who thought it was a joint slate was Rebecca Longbone. I think it was a kind of a weird thing that should never have really existed. But no, I was I, I was very surprised in, in the result. I was I was I was expecting Richard to come uh, Richard Bergen to come second. It was a bit of a, a surprise to see him push into third place. But uh, doctors have had quite good press recently, so um, in, no, but interesting. But let's. Uh, uh, well, Angela's position in the in the the shadow um, cabinet because it's a it's a weird position, isn't it? Chair of the party. It it, 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 is. Has, to, it has well, two you roles. you've um, long argued for its uh, abolition. No, no, chair of the party. Oh, deputy, sorry, role. the deputy leader. The deputy, the, the, yeah, but they think the fact is that they overlap, and that's another problem with the deputy leadership. Um, because you, I think you'd be far off. Actually, you would be far better off saying that chair of the party was an elected position but they did not have to take on an official position of deputy leader and they did not have to be in the shadow cabinet i think that that makes them a representative of the of the members and and, and purely and that that is a decent thing to but it's it's a but does an, the deputy leader not step in in the event of the leader of the opposition you know of being feeling a bit unwell yeah the, the phrase deputy leader makes things clean and clear for non-political you know it's like saying vice president people understand what that means whereas a lot of people have never actually been in a meeting with a chairman and and, and don't realize uh that the local branch chair basically takes complete control over the uh situation possibly but i think this if you said that deputy leader was an appointment or it had to be on a ticket together an official ticket for election that would be fine because the the idea of the leader and the deputy leader having opposing or diametrically opposing political views so much so that one would be a wrecker is really dangerous and it makes it the deputy leader role really unclear so but how, chair, did, how did prescott get it was it the same scenario uh well the, the rules were different but they were separate elections yeah. but the um but Angela Rayner is Angela Rayner, chair of the party. That's a that's a good appointment, I think. Um, I like uh, Ian Lavery a lot. I would I'd have, I'd have found a role for him somewhere else. Keir uh, hasn't. But um, if all of the deputy leadership candidates, when they articulated it well, talked about what they wanted to do for the membership, and in a sense, making making them chair makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, so benefit of the doubt there for the chair thing. 
maybe it can be the beginning of redefining the deputy leadership in your preferred way. Well, I mean, and, and, and Angela is um, far more than Kira would have thought. Angela is a unifying figure because she's very hard to dislike. Yeah, I, even I found her hard to dislike. But then I also find Kia quite hard to dislike yet. Um, and the, but I mean, politi- politically, she's not quite on the same page as me. Um, but I think she's a good example of someone on the soft left of the party who was who has been dragged left by the membership and the leadership over recent years. Uh, and I think I think that's good. That shows a, a degree of um, ideological, intellectual flexibility. Okay, so moving down the list, we get to Annalise Dodds, who we've already briefly mentioned what will be last week now, I guess, uh, when we're talking about people popping in behind them on cameras. Yeah, um, Annalise... Uh, That's as much as I know about her. Well, she's um, uh, she's the MP for the constituency next to ours. We have joint um, CLP operations with. Um, so I get to read and, and see and hear her MP's reports um, fairly often. She's been very loyal uh, to the party over the last, um, let's face it, it's only two and a bit years um, since she's been elected. Um, and, pre- and previously uh, as an MEP. Um, obviously very skilled. Um, someone who uh, John McDonnell was happy to have in his Treasury team. So obviously uh, a technically good appointment. Um, I'd read a uh, an interesting um, article some time ago by Stephen Bush in the New Statesman. He 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 finds an interesting thing to do to ask lots of MPs and commentators, not who should be shadow chancellor, but who is capable of it because it's really difficult, and from which you get a very small short list. It's, it's one of the few jobs, isn't it, in the whole shadow government, which you, it's hard to screw up. Well, I mean, very, it's easy to screw up, but yeah. it's yeah, you, you shouldn't. So the. the I think that, and the the idea is that there's not very many people who can legitimately do it. And Jeremy was really lucky that John McDonnell was someone who was able and uh, willing and was on the right, you know, on the right side to to do that. And you look at the if you're going to say, I mean, had Rebecca had Rebecca Long Bailey uh, won the leadership, um, I think she would have really struggled not to ask Lorena. John McDonald ask John oh, McDonald oh, to John stay McDonald. on. Oh yes. Yes, good point. Well, I mean she would have been told to, certainly by those No, no, well, she wouldn't because he was quite willing to leave, but the he would have not, been not needed, by him. <laughs> no, but he would need to have been begged to stay on, essentially. Yes, um, but he, he would have certainly been open to that begging and I'm, there were certainly people who'd paid for her campaign who would have been quite keen well, on that. It. That's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. And I, I think the other thing is, I mean, I don't get the impression from Annalise that she's particularly ideological in any way. Um, so that is, it's being touted, interestingly, by some of some left wing commentators as a fairly left wing appointment. And I don't think it necessarily is in terms of personal ideology. So you think think that they're more hopeful left and they're like, oh, she's one of ours. It's very useful for someone who, uh, let's say Owen Jones, for example. It's useful for Owen Jones to be able to say 
that Keir Starmer's cabinet is a little bit left-wing and persuadable and that there is an argument to win, if you see what I mean. Uh, yeah, are you saying he gets more clicks through when there were more momentum members? I'm saying that he, because of the nature of his role inside and outside the party, uh, falling into despair is not a useful thing for him to do. Whereas it's possible yes. for... yeah, it's Ultimately possible for, measured in clicks. Ultimately, ultimately measured in, you know, perhaps his sanity. But the idea that Rachel Reeves was being touted as a shadow chancellor last in the last week at Sun, on Sunday, I think, in fact, in the Sunday Times, that was horrific. But it felt to me as if it was softening up the membership or the left wing of the membership. So people would go, when she wasn't, and she isn't, people go, shh, oh, it's not that bad. I mean, that seems perfectly fair. We've already talked a bit about Lisa Nandy being Shadow Foreign Secretary. and It comes at an appointment out of nowhere from a, as what I'm aware that she understands about stuff. I mean, I don't know her well or anything. I, I, you know, I think that's credit for being the most improved candidate, if you like. Because um, we all know that neither Rebecca nor Keir shone as brightly as they could have done. Um, whereas Lisa and Andy probably shone exactly as well as she could have done. Um, and, you know, it is a great office of state, not shadow foreign secretary, obviously, um, but actual foreign secretary with the benefits you also mentioned. I think she's good at talking to people. I don't think she is necessarily good at policy detail. So moving, moving on, uh, is this moving down the menu? What I'm do we think? Down, well, I'm, I'm about to start skipping some, to be honest. What do you think about John Ashworth staying at Hill? Okay, I wasn't going to skip quite that far, but um, I will, at the moment I think it's the, the fifth. But yes, I'm going to say health is quite important now, isn't it? You're right. I don't have any objection. Do you? Um, had Jeremy stayed as leader, I would have thought that John Ashworth was right for replacing. Not only because he was uh, caught during the election saying that Jeremy should have been replaced. Um well, he has been. I also think he's been lacklustre over the past few years. Uh, when this is such a crucial area for the Labour Party, he's not been strong enough. Uh, but moving him at this time would have been a political and tactical mistake, I would have thought, as well as, yeah, as a, uh, yeah, as well as um, just way too confusing for anybody else to come in. Exactly. It's not necessarily the most comfortable of positions to be in, but it is certainly one that it is not time to play around with. It can so easily be misread. Uh, no, the one that really shines out of the list uh, for nearly everyone is Ed Miliband, Shadow Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy Secretary, uh, which is second longest job title on the list. And the hardest one to uh, make a pronounceable acronym out of. SPS. Yeah, it definitely sounds like some sort of baddie. The big sadness of this, of course, is... Um... The fact that I'm assuming that uh, Ed Miliband's podcast will come to an end. I'd be sad about that. That's the first thing I thought about as well. I mean, I don't, I don't listen to it, but um, lots of people do. Yeah, it's good. Maybe not. I mean, it seems to be where it, you know a policy forum for him. Well, it would. Uh, this is an interesting thing because I genuinely think this is an interesting way of how politics adapts to the 21st century and modern media techniques. There's a man with a very high-rated podcast. Are you going to say not to reach that audience? Because he will have to be a little bit more guarded about what he says. I don't know. I would 
he's slightly guarded about it. Like he's not dumb, you know, or, or he wouldn't be getting the job. You know, it's it's a well formatted show, and you can come out of it quite well. I think you wouldn't necessarily need to do much with it. The problem is how the audience responds. Yes, because he's um, the whole. Th- he's he's got that. He's got that sort of Michael Portillo advantage, hasn't he? That no matter how you were liked or disliked in office, yes. uh, you are given the benefit of the doubt purely by dint of your celebrity. It's weird, isn't it? Um, because it doesn't happen to all of them, does it? They has like Ed Miliband and Michael Pillow both got very special evictions, or of the uh, you know everyone thought it was a bit of a closely run loss, didn't they, for Miliband? And they also vaguely remembered him for like standing up against his brother, um, or I think a lot of people remember him as shafting his brother. Um, whereas Portillo, you just remember him being surprisingly gracious in defeat. And then you get to remember Stephen Twigg's face. And so actually, when you look at Portillo, you see a happy, smiling somebody else. I mean, a very little memory of... Uh, I, I wasn't up for Portillo. I, no, I didn't even watch any of it. He uh, wasn't interested, really. But it was so good. You can be like support Labour and have them win. It was great. You should see it one day. From, you, uh, from listening to Ed Miliband's podcasts, do you think he will continue that Labour's uh, policies in that area? Are we going to see sort of Miliband's Green New Deal or or what? Well, there's a lot of discussion about interesting and unusual policies around the world, that kind of thing. You know, um, I can't remember if there was a specific one on, you know, in Portugal, like pretty much everyone's allowed drugs if they want, um, as long as they don't get them from criminals, that kind of thing. Um, so it's a, there's a lot of that sort of discussion, and then I'll have a serious guest on. I I I think Ed has been even stronger on green stuff since he left office. Um, so I, it's um, it's a good appointment. Yeah, I, I think that he's you know the fact that he's shown an interest in politics from a slightly different angle, and you know there were Miliband fans in the same way that there were Corbyn fans, if maybe not in quite such volume. So it's good that, you know, that engagement will be maintained, hopefully. And um, at, at least at the moment, he's not allowed out to cafes to get bacon sandwiches. <laughs> yes, uh, that's good news for all concerned, isn't it? Um, immediately below Jonathan Ashworth is Rebecca Long-Bailey as Shadow Education Secretary. That doesn't seem like a great job. In what way does it seem like a great job? It seems like a it seems like a difficult job or a job with no scope or, or, or what's your problem with it? Education secretaries don't generally go on to do well. It's you know it's it's not first tier, is it? it Margaret Thatcher. Well, exactly. Look at the harm she did. Uh, no, well, okay, fair enough. Take your point. I would I I put it as insulting, but maybe you're right. Maybe she's the next Margaret Thatcher. I think it is an insult to a certain um, to a certain degree, but it's all, it's also a, an important brief, one that we haven't perhaps given enough attention to, and had become somewhat of a cornerstone of Labour's policies in the last three years. It was one of the areas in which Labour were moving so far ahead of the Conservative um, policies that. They're, you know, we didn't seem we were no longer shadowing them. Like the shadow had like fucked off up the road in in a Peter Pan way, uh, <laughs> and we're we're now worried whether or not Keir Starmer will be instrumental in sewing um, Rebecca Long Bailey's feet to fuck knows whoever uh, 
the Conservative Education Secretaries. Who is it? Don't know. I don't really. They don't really agree with education, do they? Unless it's paid for. But there's there's opportunity in the scope, um, and it's uh, possibly um, indication that uh, they won't. We won't be rowing back on the whole national education service free tuition fees, um, closing the public schools angles. Today, plus she has a very teachery look about her. I can you know see her standing up firmly and telling people that certain things are going to happen. And uh, you you would not leave your uniform hanging out and you would not behave disrespectfully in assembly, would you? I mean, I wouldn't anyway, because I'm a good boy. But um, <laughs> so would you, would you, as a right winger, if you're further, you're further, to, right, you're further <laughs> to the right than Keir. Am I? Yes. Would you have purged? Um, would you have, would you have purged uh, Rebecca Lovelli? Would you have been in your shadow cabinet at all no no I think education seems about right I don't think that well it's bad politics to start purging isn't it the sort of people who do purges are you know morons the idea is to try and work together isn't it and that's what Keir wants and I'm happy with that I'm not a right winger as such if he can stay a bit to the left and you know still look winny a bit to the left a bit to the left of where that's the interesting point well, obviously, it's never going to be to the left of you. Let's face it, few are. <laughs> exactly. I've got a picture um, of uh, Diego Rivera, um, uh, Frida Kahlo, Trotsky, and uh, Charlie Chaplin hanging out. I don't think there's many. In, there's not many in that picture to the right of me. But can you airbrush yourself in? Chaplin, probably. I can do that. Okay. Well, try not to give yourself a, a silly moustache. Eh? Mm, no more than the one I've got. Let's come in another way. Emily Maitlis has um, tweeted, apparently, she's quite shocked that Jess Phillips and Wes Streeting haven't got jobs in the Shadow Cabinet. Um, um, what do you think but of that? Everything I liked about Jess Phillips was not necessarily quality doing the job thing. She was just quite fun, wasn't she? Her her future, if she should ever do very well politically, surely stems from having a bit more time on Have I Got News For You and then suddenly being Prime Minister. Well, there's, um, it, it, there doesn't seem a conventional ministerial route to power for Jess. No, um, no she, has to, she has to lie on a bus and then backstab the party, which is now a conventional route. Well, yeah, but it, it's, an, it's an interesting idea, isn't it? Because everything that... If you value Jess politically, uh, rather than for comedy value, I think that's a fine line. I think I can like you can do you can, you can do both, <laughs> but if you value her politically rather than for for just sort of entertainment value, let's say, then the entertainment value is negated if she has to be part of any form of collective responsibility. Surely, yes, that's true. I mean, a lot of it is about standing up and saying something. Um, whether the people agree or not, entirely on the behalf of the West Midlands. Jess was on um, the local politics show uh, for the West Midlands, which for some reason we get now because they've closed our local one because of viruses. The um, and uh, she was broadcasting live from what only can I can only assume was her bedroom, where there was uh, she hadn't tidied up. <laughs> uh, there was a big, great big can of sure deodorant in the background. Whether or not she was um, being sponsored, she has a, a very manly musk. Do you think? 
I think I wasn't I wasn't thinking about that. They make it for ladies too, don't they? But uh, oh, yeah. But there was, um, in fact, that was the old advert for the lady climbing up a woman climbing up a cliff, and the the tick wouldn't let you down. Ah, uh, well, that that pun might have been beyond my level of sophistication when watching TV ads. I haven't seen an advert in years. There's uh but I I don't I just thought it was. It was it was quite interesting. We're all we are going to see the the book choices of a lot of uh, MPs in the coming months. Assuming the, they tick the high definition button on their Skype board. If you are an MP, your biggest job now is not helping your constituents. It's not policies. It's reorganising your books to make you look good. Surely. Oh the, yeah, yeah. Well, hell, I've been working on that um, uh, for for my video calls, but actually, I've been reorganising it to show show stuff off. You know. There's my old Game Boy and my original iPod and that kind of thing. <laughs> what? It's um, it's a, meetings it's, for losers. So, are there any for you? Um, you're not surprised, really, that Jess didn't get one. Of, are, are there any big surprises or omissions? I mean, when you say it, you? like, like when you say it, I had two thoughts. Like, well, that is a bit of a surprise, and then it is. Oh no, it isn't though, is it? Really? Um, when you think about it, um, for the reasons we talked about. I mean, a little bit of me is always surprised to see Emily Thornberry in a position where she might have access to cameras and microphones. But there you go. Um, Shadow International Trade Secretary. She probably isn't going to upset too many white van men there. Other than that? I mean, there are um, there are there are people in that Shadow Cabinet that I'd barely heard of. I mean, I've heard of Rosanna Allen Khan because she uh, did all those messages to me. She's a doctor, you know. I mean, I I had very little awareness of the new Shadow Home Secretary. I don't really know anything about him. Nick um, Thomas Simmons. He sounds posh. Like even Simmons would sound posh, but having it as part of a double-barreled name. There's um. There, I think what I do suspect, however, that being a white man, he won't attract su- the same amount of hatred from certain elements of the online community. As uh, we're going to say, Diana Abbott. Yes, of course. I'm really yeah. sad. I'm really sad to see Diane her policies and her abilities go from the front bench. I hope she doesn't feel she has to um, tour the, like the whatever shit Andrew Neil's getting up to. Um, I, I to, hope to she doesn't feel that she needs to go and hang around with uh, Michael Portillo again. It's um, it's really. Uh, I mean, it's it's sad actually for to see a lot of lot of the people go. Um, it's, it's sad to see Richard Bergen go from the front bench, but I think he has, in this campaign, solidified his position uh, as a, a leading light of the left of the party. And I think you, you might find that um, he uh, becomes a sort of... He, he matures into that sort of figure that that, that Jeremy or or John were, were in, in previous, you know, previous eras. Almost, I can see him being a campaigning figure. Who was a fella who I'm not going to miss? Who was not very good at interviews, but seemed to get wheeled out for them a lot. You're talking about Bazza. Bazza was excellent. Barry Gardner. You're talking. Yeah, I'm talking about Gary Gardner. Yeah, Barry. I watched interviews with him. In he was not good in the ones I saw. Barry. It must have been bad statistical analysis. Barry is an excellent media performer and had served under Tony Blair as a frontbencher. He was not a factionist at all. I'm sure he wasn't. He didn't have the imagination. I like I like Basil a lot. 
so overall, the cabinet to me, it, it's interesting, isn't it? And I think there's, um, I'm not the only person to say this, but this seems like a, it's a soft left cabinet, isn't it? A shadow cabinet. It's a the most people. There are possibly two, maybe two, maybe three outward socialists in there. There's a couple of right wingers. Yeah, but not but not in roles where that can do much harm. Well, I think that would be. I think that would be set for both of them in this, both sides, wings of the party. But the rest yeah. of it is real um, soft left stuff, isn't it? The one thing that I, I don't know if you're going where I am, but I, I think looking at it all, what I see is no one's quite decided what they're doing with this yet. Well, that that's the worry, and I think there's this is the 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 battle for the party almost because um, there's this. Cab- this shadow cabinet can be dragged either way. And on what one side... What if it's not? What if it genuinely is taken down the middle or um, to, you know, each policy in its own area is assessed on its merits rather than having to form one or other ite? Well, I mean, if the you... whole Blairite, well, the... Corbynite is, is the two, my two least favourite words. The problem is, is that if the main reason Keir Starmer's there and not someone else is because of this electability thing, the middle, even studied sort of technocratic politics is not electable currently. No, but then to be honest, at the point, you know, you pluck the two people and you put them on the telly and you look at Keir and you think, yeah, I wouldn't mind if that guy represented Britain in the world and was our leader. He seems quite sensible. And then you put, I don't know whether to say Dominic Raab or what's left of Boris Johnson, um, you know. But, you know, let's say it was last week. You put normal Boris Johnson there going, yes, yes, I did kill your gran by waiting a month to uh, implement anything, but, uh, you know. And... uh, Keir might look pretty good in that. I mean, it's a low bar. He's got the right name, and I think that's. I think this is the interesting thing, though, that when you the reactions to politicians, so the reactions to Boris Johnson in the foreign press are horrified. Essentially, a lot of the time, that he's such a buffoonish, cartoonish character that seemingly makes incredibly bad decisions. Um, but, Although they still think of him as a genius in the US. Well, the, but the, uh, only in comparison. <coughs> but what I mean is that the the taking, but but they, well, they don't. Not the the liberal part of the, the United States doesn't. Like the 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 New York Times or the Washington Post or whatever doesn't. But the the oh yeah, the no, I, no. I mean, they'll cheerfully call him an idiot. The the sensible liberal, the New York Times, exactly. And then they'll go. But on the other hand, at least he went to school. And then they'll start talking about their own president. But the, but but what I'm saying is that there's a difference between the sort of people who you, I think genuinely in a sort of straight are you embarrassed when you go abroad uh, thing that's or, or are or more to the point are foreigners embarrassed for you uh, yeah. when you're abroad? But the 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 idea that that has any correlation with how the UK electorate play is disappointing uh in the to say the least because 
you've every time Boris Johnson does something wrong, his poll ratings are going up. If you're someone who cares about this electability, you know, electability, and you and you define electability by poll rankings, this is a hell of a low base. Well, yes. I, I would say certainly by one poll, you know, the one that matters. Um, but I think we all know that the other polls matter a little bit more than maybe some in the party have suggested. So, yeah, no, it is a genuine worry um, that we seem to have moved, at least in the sort of the Anglosphere, from, you know, wanting competent leaders to just any lunatic who seems funny. But it's a, if if you want... the Are we going to be killed out of it by coronavirus, though? Are people going to start to think, hold on a minute, these lunatics, you know... In a few weeks, we'll have some very interesting numbers. We I mean, don't I, now because it's I not mean, had yeah. time to play out. But you will know how competent your government really is at listening to the advice of you know the government that exists, and you'll be able to compare the number of people that died here in Italy and Spain, and um, and the USA, most notably, um, and you will think you know, my God our lot could have done better and that sort of thing will be a little bit sobering it's going to be something that we're going to have to think about you know is there will be political change we know that already you know you're you know you're probably excitedly thinking about the whole new communist future where we all have a minimum salary and all the rest of it but you know there are going to be other political changes as well in more mundane more who is and isn't an idiot, and whether that matters? I think this. I think that's all possible. I mean, I don't think. I think this. It's. It's not. It's. It's not nailed on uh, by any certainty. I mean, like Boris Johnson at this point, I wouldn't hold my breath um, to, to to think that we're suddenly going to get a, a a turn from the the electorate. To uh, a sort of more socialist or more egalitarian future, or even a more statist future, um, from due to this crisis, because I don't, I don't trust our me, I don't trust our media to 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 communicate that properly, and I don't trust. Unfortunately, I don't necessarily trust the current Labour Party to react to it properly i would say it's an incredibly hard thing to react to like say you wanted to bring about hard left outcomes but to do so without overstepping to the point that you upset people bearing in mind that a lot of very ordinary and you know very reasonable people were offended by what corbyn said about having the right ideas and winning the argument and stuff as demonstrated um and i I know you weren't but Imagine a democratic organisation half composed of, or slightly under half composed of, left wingers, um, trying to make its way forward towards sunlit uplands, without saying something that's going to upset the other people you need to bring along. It's unlikely, isn't it? Would well, that is that's the thing that makes me more depressed than anything else in the sense that um, it's depressing that the Labour membership isn't as left-wing as perhaps 
I'd hoped, and it's depressing that the the futures for bringing about radical change aren't even possibly moved by a a crisis of um, of, of this severity. And it's you've Do got. You know, I was being more more optimistic about that, like before I before you poo pooed it last time, and now I'm finding myself thinking back to like the the day I was watching the news in the other office and said to you, oh, great, this is this is what we get. Um, you know, my parents had the moon landing and we get some dickhead flying a plane into the towers. And, um, you know, that that didn't actually result in any significant change, did it? Well, for a million Iraqis probably thought that it uh, <laughs> had some change. Yeah, but, but you, I think even you would argue that, like, the cultural financial structure of the world didn't wasn't changed if anything was embedded by them well it kept it was a crisis for capitalism that kept capitalism floating for another while um it's a creative destruction or, or whatever there are a lot of bloody big oil contracts and rebuilding contracts for for people and well, they've only put they've only built one of the towers back honestly and and they haven't got that quite right it's funny sideways there will be after there will be after this as well, and I think there's interest that this is not about this is not about kids Starmer at all. Uh, it is a little bit about how people were. You would see you as uh, sniping if you if you said this sort of thing, and that's the thing that he's decided he's not going to do. But every policy enacted by the Tories so far has the side effect, if not the stated aim, of transferring power from small people from pits from small enterprises or people or the grassroots to big business because big business has the power to take advantage of these things and has the power to survive for every small pub or independent cafe that is forced out of business by this because the the support just doesn't cover it um your your corner pub that was a was an indie if there's room for money to be made out of that pub in the future, it won't be an indie that takes that over. It will be Green King or Punch or, or whatever. There's a yet another opportunity oh, for a transfer of assets. True. My local's really nice. Well, that's that's the that's the worry, and there's that's why the minutiae of these policies and practices and um, you know offers that seem supposedly socialist or being painted as socialist were um not not socialist for me mate i went uh, i went freelance um in the middle of 2018-19 financial year uh and unless you were freelance right from the beginning of that or at least near the beginning so most of your money came from freelance uh then you're considered not to have been freelance and can fuck off now well that's i mean these are the these are the gaps but there's when people talk about these sort of bailouts and they're not bailing out the people they're bailing out the companies that's very deliberate um, which is one of the reasons why self-employed people have, have fallen through the, the cracks to a certain extent. Is But there is no socialism. Socialism isn't about spending. We may have won the argument that the money can be spent when we absolutely need to. But we haven't won the argument that alongside that spending comes democratic control, comes democratisation, comes restructuring of the economy to benefit the, the many not the few, as it were, the, that argument has certainly not been won and it seems that we are in difficulty about having it. Well, it's a, it's a hard argument to win in this 
in an environment that's in a country which is an elective dictatorship and sort of proud of it. And um, and of course, uh, yeah, I mean the uh, the we saw everybody uh, clapping uh, clapping for the for the NHS and it and people getting quite authoritarian about whether or not people are outside and rallying round uh, watching the Queen and stuff and it's there's there's a potential for some jingoistic nastiness to form out of this. Oh yeah, I mean there usually is that potential anyway, but um, yeah, it does feel like it's not far under the surface at the moment, does it? So I'm pleased, Adam, that I managed to not only have uh, taken you from feeling optimistic about the makeup of Labour's future to depressing you not only about that but the future of the entire planet. Well, you know, it probably won't be that long. The future of the planet. If and if we manage to get another episode out before that eventual conclusion, um, in a fifties B movie style, you, if you could see us, you could see that we're getting more and more dishevelled. It's it's time for you to send us nice messages to make us feel better about all this. Come on, you're at home. You've got nothing better to do. And you can send them uh, on Twitter at that option pod on email. <laughs> Hello at that option uk or by. Probably not Pigeon Post. They're probably carriers. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, it was bats, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely don't send them on bats. Or tigers. Really? Uh, the tigers at the Bronx Zoo have tested positive. Well, a tiger's a cat, right? Lots of people's cats go over people's fences. Does this mean I can legitimately get rid of my neighbour's cat? Uh, um, and and that, with that, I uh, stay safe. Everybody in particular, stay safe. Adam, because... Um, Let's uh, be frank, the Labour Party needs your membership fee. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad I have a purpose. Mm-hmm.